0: section forty six of scenes from a courtesan's life by honore de balzac translated by james waring this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce piry the end of evil ways chapter nine the usher now showed in madame poiret at this unexpected appearance the prisoner had a slight shiver but his trepidation was not remarked by camusot who seemed to have made up his mind what is your name asked he proceeding to carry out the formalities introductory to all depositions and examinations madame poiret a little old woman as white and wrinkled as a sweetbread dressed in a dark-blue silk gown gave her name as christine michel michonneau wife of one poiret and her age as fifty-one years said that she was born in paris live in the rue des poules at the corner of the rue des postes and that her business was that of lodging-house keeper. "'In 1818 and 1819,' said the judge, "'you lived, madame, in a boarding-house kept by a madame Vauquer?' "'Yes, monsieur. It was there that I met monsieur Poiret, a retired official who became my husband, and whom I have nursed in his bed this 12 months past. Poor man, he is very bad, and I cannot be long away from him.' there was a certain vautrin in the house at the time asked camusot oh monsieur that is quite a long story he was a horrible man from the galleys you helped to get him arrested that is not true sir you are in the presence of the law be careful said monsieur camusot severely Madame poiret was silent try to remember camusot went on do you recollect the man would you know him again i think so is this the man Madame poiret put on her eye-preservers and looked at the abbe carlos herrera it is his build his height and yet no if monsieur le juge she said if i could see his chest i should recognize him at once the magistrate and his clerk could not help laughing notwithstanding the gravity of their office jacques collin joined in their hilarity but discreetly the prisoner had not put on his coat after bibi lupin had removed it and at a sign from the judge he obligingly opened his shirt yes that is his fur trimming sure enough but it has worn gray monsieur vautrin cried madame poiret what have you to say to that asked the judge of the prisoner that she is mad replied jacques collin bless me if i had a doubt for his face is altered that voice would be enough he is the man who threatened me ah and those are his eyes the police agent and this woman said camusot speaking to jacques collin cannot possibly have conspired to say the same thing for neither of them had seen you till now how do you account for that justice has blundered more conspicuously even than it does now in accepting the evidence of a woman who recognizes a man by the hair on his chest and the suspicions of a police agent replied jacques collin i am said to resemble a great criminal in voice eyes and build that seems a little vague as to the memory which would prove certain relations between madame and my saucy which she does not blush to own you yourself laughed at allow me monsieur in the interests of truth which i am far more anxious to establish for my own sake than you can be for the sake of justice to ask this lady madame foiret poiret poiret excuse me i am a spaniard whether she remembers the other persons who lived in this what did you call the house a boarding-house said madame poiret i do not know what that is a house where you can dine and breakfast by subscription you are right said camusot with a favorable nod to jacques collin whose apparent good faith in suggesting means to arrive at some conclusion struck him greatly try to remember the boarders who were in the house when jacques collin was apprehended there were monsieur de rastignac doctor bianchon pere goriot mademoiselle taillefer that will do said camusot steadily watching jacques collin whose expression did not change well about this pere goriot he is dead said madame poiret monsieur said jacques collin i have several times met monsieur de rastignac a friend i believe of madame de nucingen's and if it is the same he certainly never supposed me to be the convict with whom these persons try to identify me monsieur de rastignac and dr bianchon said the magistrate both hold such a social position that their evidence if it is in your favour will be enough to procure your release coquart fill up a summons for each of them the formalities attending madame poiret's examination were over in a few minutes coquart read aloud to her the notes he had made of the little scene and she signed the paper but the prisoner refused to sign alleging his ignorance of the forms of french law that is enough for to-day said Monsieur camusot you must be wanting food i will have you taken back to the conciergerie alas i am suffering too much to be able to eat said jacques Collin camusot was anxious to time jacques collin's return to coincide with the prisoner's hour of exercise in the prison yard but he needed a reply from the governor of the conciergerie to the order he had given him in the morning and he rang for the usher the usher appeared and told him that the porter's wife from the house on the quai Malaquet, had an important document to communicate with reference to monsieur lucien de rubempre this was so serious a matter that it put camusot's intentions out of his head show her in said he beg your pardon pray excuse me gentlemen all said the woman curtsying to the judge and the abbe carlos by turns we were so worried by the law my husband and me the twice when it has marched into our house that we had forgotten a letter that was lying for monsieur lucien in our chest of drawers which we paid ten sous for it though it was posted in paris for it is very heavy sir would you please to pay me back the postage for god knows when we shall see our lodgers again was this letter handed to you by the postman asked Camusot, after carefully examining the envelope. Yes, monsieur. Coquart, write full notes of this deposition. Go on, my good woman, tell us your name and your business. Camusot made the woman take the oath, and then he dictated the document. While these formalities were being carried out, he was scrutinizing the postmark, which showed the hours of posting and delivery, as well as the date of the day and this letter left for lucien the day after esther's death had beyond a doubt been written and posted on the day of the catastrophe monsieur camusot's amazement may therefore be imagined when he read this letter written and signed by her whom the law believed to have been the victim of a crime esther to lucien monday may thirteenth eighteen thirty my last day ten in the morning My lucien I have not an hour to live at 11 o'clock. I shall be dead and I shall die without a pang I have paid 50,000 francs for a neat little black currant containing a poison that will kill me with the swiftness of lightning and So my darling you may tell yourself my little Esther had no suffering and yet I shall suffer in writing these pages the monster who has paid so dear for me knowing that the day when i should know myself to be his would have no morrow Nussingen has just left me as drunk as a bear with his skin full of wind for the first and last time in my life i have had the opportunity of comparing my old trade as a street hussy with the life of true love of placing the tenderness which unfolds in the infinite above the horrors of a duty which longs to destroy itself and leave no room even for a kiss only such loathing could make death delightful i have taken a bath i should have liked to send for the father confessor of the convent where i was baptized to have confessed and washed my soul but i have had enough of prostitution it would be profaning a sacrament and besides I feel myself cleansed in the waters of sincere repentance god must do what he will with me but enough of all this maudlin for you i want to be your esther to the last moment not to bore you with my death or the future or god who is good and who would not be good if he were to torture me in the next world when i have endured so much misery in this i have before me your beautiful portrait painted by madame de murbel that sheet of ivory used to comfort me in your absence i look at it with rapture as i write you my last thoughts and tell you of the last throbbing of my heart i shall enclose the miniature in this letter for i cannot bear that it should be stolen or sold the mere thought that what has been my great joy may lie behind a shop window mixed up with the ladies and officers of the empire or a parcel of chinese absurdities is a small death to me destroy that picture my sweetheart wipe it out never give it to any one unless indeed the gift might win back the heart of that walking well-dressed maypole that clotilde de grandlieu who will make you black and blue in her sleep her bones are so sharp yes to that i consent and then I shall still be of some use to you, as when I was alive. Oh, to give you pleasure, or only to make you laugh, I would have stood over a brazier with an apple in my mouth to cook it for you. So my death even will be of service to you. I should have marred your home. Oh, that Clotilde! I cannot understand her. She might have been your wife— have borne your name have never left you day or night have belonged to you and she could make difficulties only the faubourg saint-germain can do that and yet she has not ten pounds of flesh on her bones poor lucien dear ambitious failure i am thinking of your future life well well you will more than once regret your poor faithful dog the good girl who would fly to serve you who would have been dragged into a police court to secure your happiness whose only occupation was to think of your pleasures and invent new ones and who is so full of love for you in her hair her feet her ears your ballerina in short whose every look was a benediction who for six years has thought of nothing but you who was so entirely your chattel that i have never been anything but an effluence of your soul as light is that of the sun however for lack of money and of honor i can never be your wife i have at any rate provided for your future by giving you all i have come as soon as you get this letter and take what you find under my pillow for i do not trust the people about me understand that i mean to look beautiful when i am dead i shall go to bed and lay myself flat in an attitude why not then i shall break the little pill against the roof of my mouth and shall not be disfigured by any convulsion or by a ridiculous position madame de serizy has quarrelled with you i know because of me but when she hears that i am dead you see dear pet she will forgive make it up with her and she will find you a suitable wife if the grandlieus persist in their refusal my dear i do not want you to grieve too much when you hear of my death to begin with i must tell you that the hour of eleven on monday morning the thirteenth of may is only the end of a long illness which began on the day when on the terrace of saint-germain you threw me back on my former line of life the soul may be sick as the body is but the soul cannot submit stupidly to suffering like the body the body does not uphold the soul as the soul upholds the body and the soul sees a means of cure in the reflection which leads to the needlewoman's resource the bushel of charcoal you gave me a whole life the day before yesterday when you said that if clotilde still refused you you would marry me it would have been a great misfortune for us both i should have been still more dead so to speak for there are more and less bitter deaths the world would never have recognized us for two months past i have been thinking of many things i can tell you a poor girl is in the mire as i was before i went into the convent men think her handsome they make her serve their pleasure without thinking any consideration necessary they pack her off on foot after fetching her in a carriage if they do not spit in her face it is only because her beauty preserves her from such indignity but morally speaking they do worse well and if this despised creature were to inherit five or six millions of francs she would be courted by princes bowed to with respect as she went past in her carriage and might choose among the oldest names in france and navarre the world which would have cried raka to us on seeing two handsome creatures united and happy always did honor to madame de stal in spite of her romances in real life because she had two hundred thousand francs a year. The world which grovels before money or glory will not bow down before happiness or virtue, for I could have done good. Oh, how many tears I would have dried, as many as I have shed, I believe. Yes, I would have lived only for you and for charity. These are the thoughts that make death beautiful so do not lament my dear say often to yourself there were two good creatures two beautiful creatures who both died for me ungrudgingly and who adored me keep a memory in your heart of coralie and esther and go your way and prosper do you recollect the day when you pointed out to me a shrivelled old woman in a melon green bonnet and a puce wrapper all over black grease spots the mistress of a poet before the revolution hardly thawed by the sun though she was sitting against the wall of the tuileries and fussing over a pug the vilest of pugs she had had footmen and carriages you know and a fine house and i said to you then how much better to be dead at thirty well you thought i was melancholy and you played all sorts of pranks to amuse me and between two kisses i said every day some pretty woman leaves the play before it is over and i do not want to see the last piece that is all you must think me a great chatterbox but this is my last effusion i write as if i were talking to you and i like to talk cheerfully i have always had a horror of a dressmaker pitying herself you know i knew how to die decently once before on my return from that fatal opera ball where the men said i had been a prostitute no no my dear love never give this portrait to any one if you could know with what a gush of love i have sat losing myself in your eyes looking at them with rapture during a pause i allowed myself you would feel as you gathered up the affection with which i have tried to overlay the ivory that the soul of your little pet is indeed there a dead woman craving alms that is a funny idea come i must learn to lie quiet in my grave you have no idea how heroic my death would seem to some fools if they could know nucingen last night offered me two millions of francs if i would love him as i love you he will be handsomely robbed when he hears that i have kept my word and died of him i tried all i could still to breathe the air you breathe i said to the fat scoundrel do you want me to love you as you wish to promise even that i will never see lucien again what must i do he asked give me the two millions for him you should have seen his face i could have laughed if it had not been so tragical for me spare yourself the trouble of refusing said i i see you care more for your two millions than for me a woman is always glad to know at what she is valued and i turned my back on him in a few hours the old rascal will know that i was not in jest who will part your hair as nicely as i do <sighs> i will think no more of anything in life i have but five minutes i give them to god do not be jealous of him dear heart i shall speak to him of you beseeching him for your happiness as the price of my death and my punishment in the next world i am vexed enough at having to go to hell i should have liked to see the angels to know if they are like you good-bye my darling good-bye i give you all the blessing of my woes even in the grave i am your esther it is striking eleven. I have said my last prayers. I am going to bed to die. Once more, farewell. I wish that the warmth of my hand could leave my soul there where I press a last kiss. And once more, I must call you my dearest love, though you are the cause of the death of your Esther. End of section forty six.